I began reading a book about the beginning of life on Earth and from a scientific perspective. And it talked about this idea of how complicated organisms came about, multi-celled organisms, human beings with all our arms and our legs, our, the, our complicated way of being. And it told this sort of epic story of how um, there was life and there are these single-celled organisms that you know, had a pretty constricted existence, you know, didn't see, didn't do anything. And all of a sudden there was this big innovation that a single celled organism figured that if they combined with another single celled organism, they can actually do more. And they can, it was almost exponential what they can actually do and accomplish. And actually their scope of understanding, the more they cooperated together and were able to work together, slowly over time, they were able to do more and more complicated tasks increasing the scope and organization of their existence until we finally get to human beings, which are you know, so complicated. And, you know, you look at a human being and individ one individual and it looks like one single thing, but we're really thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of cells. Uh, Dr. Devine probably could tell us, right, of all the different uh, cells working together and organizing together to be able to make this thing called a human being. It, just to be alive for three seconds means Millions of things have to be functioning in, in complete symbiosis with each other um, in order for us just one person to exist in the world. And there are millions and millions and there, there are many, many of us. So it's an unbelievable thing. And you know, everything you look at in this world is a feat of organization. It's not one thing that's doing something. Everything that seems like one thing is actually many, many things. Um, we actually don't even know if you, if you keep dividing and you look at any piece of matter, Right. You can actually continue dividing, dividing, dividing until you get down to nothing. Right? We used to think atoms were the smallest unit. Turns out they're not. We used to think quarks were the big, smallest unit. Turns out they're not. Right? We can't quite figure out how small things get. So literally everything we see, we actually can't possibly see something in which is not combined with something else and is organized with working something else. And I realize that this figures into um, creation and has a lesson to teach us as well. You see, I'm, I began my study of the Torah um, and, and began to study all the medieval commentaries on each verse of the Torah. And I've gotten through the first couple of verses. Obviously, each verse takes a long time. And it's very interesting. There are a lot of um, strange things about the creation story. Um, one of them is this first part. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then we have that. And then we have... The rest of the creation story where, well, God actually does create that have seemed to create the heaven and the earth over six days, you know, creates the moon and the stars and whatever and the plants and the, we all know the story. But the, the question the commentators ask is, well, what happened on that, that first sentence? What's Bereshit, Baralohim, at the Shemayim, at the arts? Didn't God already create the heavens and the earth and we're done? Why can't it just say that sentence and then go on to the story of the Garden of Eden? And the way that most commentators ask this, answer this question is something I think many of us would be surprised about is that God actually, according to our commentators, created all of the raw material of the world on the first day. On that first verse, everything came into existence. All of material reality. So what did God spend the next six days doing? Organizing that matter together. Taking that raw product together and organizing it. And that is what actually created life. That's what created the world around us and creates the world. But, of course, we're missing something between the creation of that raw product, that raw potential, and and the six days of organization. What, what are we missing in between? Which verse? Anyone know? 
The second verse of the Torah is. Uh, right. Tohu vavohu. Right. We see that God creates the universe, and then all of a sudden we say that the world the world was unformed and without void. Tohu vavohu. The veruach Elohim rechefet al haaretz. Right. And the, the spirit of God floated around that 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 tone, that uh, depth. And a lot of commentators are perplexed about what does tohu vavohu, dohu vavohu mean. And of course, in the classic way they do this, they actually look into other places in the Torah where they appear. One place where the tohu vavohu first appears is actually when the Jewish people ask for a king, right? And what does is, what is Samuel say back to them? What are you doing? How can you? You have a king. You have God. Why do you need a human king? And, they, and, and Samuel says, what are you going to throw it back to tohu vavohu? What are you going to throw it back to unformed chaos? Wow. And the third time when tohu vavohu appears in the Torah is in, well, the Scroll of Lamentations. That's supposedly what Jerusalem looked like after it was destroyed by the Romans and destroyed by, well, in the Bible, destroyed by the Babylonians. Right, the chaos of the destruction that was left afterwards, this unorganized chaos where everyone was out on their own, was this tohu vavohu. And but what what both Samuel meant and the destruction meant is that everything that was once ordered or that was meant to be ordered, right, is now not ordered, is not working together, is destroyed. You know, the parts of a house that were meant to be the roof are now on the floor, and the, the you know a mother who was meant to be supporting their child is now not able to. Right, everything that was meant to be in the position that it was supposed to be in is no longer there, and the same thing with Samuel. Right, the idea of having a human king that's separate from the the king—you have two agencies, two kings that are working against each other—and that will, well, of course, create chaos. That God's organization is the world, not some human idol. Right, so that just creates chaos in the way that human beings are organized in the world. And so then we take it back to our creation story again. And we realize that what unformed tohu vavohu really is, is this idea of matter that's unformed, is unorganized. And that brings us back to an important point. Many of us feel that the world just automatically gets the way it does. We have these beautiful grocery stores I was talking about on Friday. Yeah. I walked into a Trader Joe's and saw yeah. the many varieties of goat yeah. cheese. And I said, can you believe how long it takes us to work to create this? How many farmers need to get together and make this happen? How many employees need to think of how to organize Trader Joe's and how many truck drivers need to bring it out here? Right? All of the things that need to happen just to take the normal things. When we walk into a grocery store, it's like we just take it completely for granted. But for every moment of our existence is based on thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands upon thousands of people and things working together. And then if you think on the cellular level, the amount of cells working together in each individual human being. All that we see and all that we fathom is based on organized life. Is life and whether it's people or cells or whatever it is being organized together. Yet we are under constant threat of going back to tohu vavohu. Why do I say that? Of chaos? Well, it's simple. We look in the Torah and we see the light was created on. Well, the third verse, Reishi Baral came with the Shemayim Bet Aretz, right? In the beginning, God created the earth. There was chaos and void. And then what happened in the third verse? And God said, let there be light. What's the problem with that? We know that the sun was created on the fourth day. So if the sun was created on the fourth day, where did the light come from on the second day? 
It's some prime, what the rabbis actually say is that it's some primordial light. It's this infinite light that was way bigger than the light of the sun. And that is the light of creation itself, the light of organization itself. And what the Midrash says is that God actually hid that light away for the Sadiqim to come. That that light is only accessible by the righteous who do righteousness and in so doing build up the world and organize life around it. And what that means for us today is that tohu vavohu is not something of the past. It's not some primordial state that once was and will never be again. Rather, it's something that is constantly on the margins and constantly seeping into our lives. Every moment we take to not organize, to work together, to work together, whether it's as community on the larger scale, on the, the League of Nations or the United Nations or whatever it may be, or even on the small scales in our community, in our families, in our own life and making the disparate pieces of our life work together. Every time we assume the world will continually be exactly the way it is at every single moment, um, is the second that Tohu Vuvohu begins to seep back into life again. Each and every moment we're on the danger of chaos, unformed void, seeking back into our life, yet we live under the assumption that we could just kind of leave the world in autopilot. The more we create technology, the more we uh, make new inventions, we think the world is going to just keep running on itself. But we know as Jews that the light is only for the righteous. It was hidden away. That primordial light that is even brighter than the sun that organizing component that allows us to organize the world around us and create the very reality itself that we so crave is up to us. It's up to each and every one of us. So what it means to be a Jew and a human being living in this world is to constantly have tohu vavohu right in front of us. And it's constantly a choice. Are we going to create that, access that light that was hidden for the righteous and organize all this potential life around or are we going to leave it and it's just going to be tohu vohu? Is it just going to be chaos and unformed void? That, was, that is the binary choice we face as human beings. And what we are obligated to do is to choose that life, is to choose that light that is hidden for the righteous. And we do that by understanding very clearly that tohu vohu is always right around the corner. And when we walk into these destructions that we're about to face and this chaos of the destruction of the temple, the destruction of, of Jewish life that has really came from chaos is when um, human beings have made the choice to not organize life in a fair way, in a way that makes sense, in a way that's just. Where human beings said, I can separate myself from somebody else, that one party's evil and one isn't. Right? We create that tohu vavohu. What we as Jews have to do and understand is that we are all creatures of God. And when we understand that we're able to organize ourselves together and do that work, that detailed work of organizing ourselves together, we fend off the tohu vavohu, accessing that primordial hidden light that organizes the world around us. Tisha B'Av teaches us the lesson that we've learned all too hard, that the world isn't run on autopilot. Unfortunately, it's not one of these nifty uh, 2020s cars that runs by itself, right? But instead... It's something that takes constant tinkering. It takes constant working together. It takes constant thought. And it takes constant attention and care and love. We must be willing to do that. Otherwise, we face the consequences. <clears throat>